the most ghoulish of greetings to every single one of you. Thank you so much for stopping by, making Paranormal Prowlers podcast part of your day. Those phenomenal tunes that you just heard are, of course, courtesy of the lovely Bobby Mackey. And as always, I am your host, Tessa Morrow. Now, before we dive into this episode, I just want to say how deeply saddened I am to see what has happened to Maui recently, more specifically Lahaina. Now, I have listeners scattered throughout Hawaii. My sister lives in Oahu, and one of her best friend's family, somebody I've known for years, like close to 15, 16 years, her family all lived in Lahaina, and they lost everything as so Many, I guess all the locals there did. My aunt was on vacation in Maui when this all happened. Just so terrifying and scary. People waiting in the water for 8 to 10 hours, if not longer, to wait for help. So much death and destruction, and it's just absolutely devastating. Lives lost, people and animals, and homes destroyed, and businesses burned to the ground. Just Lahaina is no more. To say it's utterly heartbreaking and devastating is obviously an understatement. My thoughts and prayers and love go out to all the good people and animals of Hawaii. So I asked my friend, actor and surf instructor, John Philbin, who's a total sweetheart, by the way, for any advice about sharing links so people can help out if they want, like legit links, not like, is this person going to scam me or something? Uh, You get the idea. Anyway, he gave me one, and you will be able to find that when you click on the episode, and you know it talks all about the episode and what have you. So go check that out, whether it's a dollar or $100, big or small or tiny, every little bit helps for sure. And you will also see another link for generallypictures.com regarding the Maui fires and the, the destruction And you could also donate through there to families that lost everything. So go check it out for sure. Both links, phenomenal, saving lives, helping people. And one more announcement before the episode gets into gear. I want to let everybody know that it is that time of year where I am looking for people to share their spooky tales with me so I can add them to the Halloween episode. Whether it's a chilling tale that has been passed down generation to generation, a legend, a myth, perhaps a local haunt, a haunting encounter that happened, a campfire story, or hell, maybe you wrote your own story and you want to share it, and it deserves to be shared because you worked hard on that story. I hear you, and I feel you. Please feel free to reach out to me on the Paranormal Prowlers podcast Facebook page. I would love to hear from you. You can always record it and send it to me via Messenger, or if you are shy, you could write it down and I could read it for you. And remember, you can always stay anonymous, recording or writing. If you record it, I can change your voice. And speaking of spooky stories, I want to share some of my favorites that people have shared with me throughout the years. So here we go. The first story that I am going to share with you was told to me by my friend Ivan out of New Mexico. Now sadly, he did pass away not too long ago, just like a few months ago actually. So very, very sad. Here we go. Here's the story. 
my dad's and my aunt's house is very haunted. I was about mm, 13 years old when all this went down. The year was 2001. I would get online and my dad would go visit my grandma. He would leave like eh, around 8.30 and be back within the hour. He would visit on a daily basis. Well, one of the nights, I was chilling in the living room on the computer when I started hearing footsteps. I didn't think nothing the first few times, but it kept getting louder and louder as days passed. Well, one day I had enough of it, so I thought to myself, it's my dad. So I called him out, Dad, and did not get any response. Dad, that went on for about two days. On the third night of hearing footsteps, it got quiet, and I heard the fridge open, and the cupboard open as well. Well, this time I thought for sure it was my dad. I heard water pouring into a glass, and that's when I ran inside the kitchen to find the fridge open as well as the cupboard open, with water poured into the glass, because we always kept ice cold water in that fridge. I completely completely freaked out and fell to my knees and I prayed. After that I began to see fireballs all over town. Crazy shit. True story. To this day, my dad does not believe me. It seems like the more I wanted to hear and see it, the more I would hear it. Now I was truly sad to hear about Ivan's death. You know, I have to say, going to school in New Mexico for several years, it was the biggest challenge of my life. And I almost didn't survive it due to the bullying. It was just horrendous. I dealt with hatred almost every single day for several years. He was one of the good ones, though. There were a handful of people that were just good in the heart and just so friendly and wanted to be my friend. And he truly was one of those people, always super kind and full of respect, just a great guy. And rest in peace, my friend. We all miss you. My next story comes from my aunt Merlinda. I have shared stories that she had told me in the past. She has had some crazy intense encounters when it comes to the supernatural and paranormal, including an animal transformation witch, and so much more. The story actually has to do with my sweet grandpa. Here we go. Spirits communicate. They send us signs. Occasionally, I'll be feeling down, and I will smell your grandpa's cologne. I know he is around. I think our bond started when I tried calling him, and there was no answer. The health and the welfare checks. Calling the police and the sheriff to check on him. He kiddingly told Uncle Charlie, You better take good care of her. If not, I'm stealing her from you. Well, I went to the nursing home and I told them, you don't mess with him. You do everything that he asks. You jump. You do not question it. The director turned around and told the nurses, don't mess with her. You guys do everything and make sure he has everything he needs. I told all the girls, you don't know when I'm going to show up. After getting off of work, I would show up in the middle of the night. It would be anywhere from 11.30 p.m. to 2.30 a.m. After getting off work, before going home, that was the last thing I would do. Check on Grandpa. 
First thing I would do in the morning after getting ready for work, I will go to check on him. So they never really knew when I would be coming. And I would always ask him, are they treating you okay? Well, right before he passed away, I went and I sat and I chatted with him asking if he was feeling okay. He looked at me and he said, Oh yeah, I'm just tired. I, I think I'm going to take a nap. I'll let you know if I need anything. I said, you do that. I'll come and I'll check on you tonight. Well, I had only been at work for about 45 minutes. One of the girls that was working with me was making some sandwiches for somebody. And I was waiting on some customers. And I felt a hand or something on my shoulder. I turned to look and there's nothing. Nobody. It was really weird. About... 30 minutes later, Uncle Charlie called me and said they had called your mom and said that he had passed away. When I got to the nursing home, I had asked the girls what time he had passed away, and it was right around the time when that hand was on my shoulder. He was telling me goodbye. I tell you, I know when he is around because I get a strong whiff of his cologne. He used to wear that one type of cologne. And I do just have to show my appreciation for Merlinda. She is a doll. She is an EMT. And at that time, she was also working several different jobs, including at a gas station. And so, but with that EMT background, she was always there for my grandpa. And he could not have asked for more better of a person to be there having his back for sure. So thank you, Aunt Merlinda. Next story comes from my dear sweet cousin, Rosalie. Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. There are so many, ugh, I can't even describe it. There are four floors. They are renovating part of it to make it look fancy with antiques, and I prefer it to stay the way it is. You know, I, I don't know if the spirits that are there like that they are changing it so much. There is so much going on there. We had a guide that was so good that we asked for him a second time. This guide was so excited. He's obsessed with this asylum. He's had many paranormal experiences there. I don't even know where to start. Many times we'd be sitting on the floor in the dark, waiting for something to happen. Then we'd get up. Another couple, they were there with us as well. And it was pitch black. You, you can't even see your hand in front of your face. This one guy that was with us, along with his girlfriend, said, I'm going to walk down that hall right now, and you all just watch me. So we all watch him. He has a flashlight. And he's just walking along when, all of a sudden, a door slammed. It was so loud, it shook. I thought he was going to have a heart attack because it's where he was walking towards. That was one huge thing. Then, when we listened to Nick's recorder, we heard more things than what we heard with our ears. Civil War soldiers bunked on this one floor, and they had a big kitchen. So we sit there for a while, and I walked into the kitchen. It is quite big. It was about two blocks long, 
And I went in there by myself and Nick kept saying to me, Mima, are you going in there by yourself? And I said, yes, I'm not afraid. I kept being drawn to that place. We didn't hear anything then and then when we heard the recorder, you can hear somebody walking in heavy boots, big stride going boom, 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 boom. We caught that on the recorder. There's a little girl there. Her name is Lily. And there's a room that she has. There's toys and other things that are there for her. So we went into her room with our little flashlights. Nick is sitting in the middle of the floor and something was nicked right at his leg. We couldn't tell what it was. There was stuff on the floor. We tried to replicate the sound and figure out what it might have been. You know, maybe it was a crayon that was thrown at him. Whenever we see a penny, we think it's my mom. So we went in there and there was no penny around. And all of a sudden a penny is found right by Nick's leg. Then on the recorder, we heard a little girl who we think to be Lily saying, Okay. She had the sweet little voice. Oh, as clear as a bell. Okay. Her story, this asylum, it housed some of the most vicious criminals and the insane. They would kill each other and they would beat each other up. The guards or the caretakers, they wouldn't even go because they were afraid of these guys. So many horrible things happened there. Killings, beatings, rapes, people getting hurt. Children, they were born there because these women would get pregnant by rape. Lily, well, she was a product of that. They say she's looking for her mother. It's just oh, so incredibly sad. There was another woman. I think her name was Mary Ruth. Evidently, Mary Ruth was born at the asylum. And they put her in a foster home until she was 18. She ended up coming back and worked here for 72 years at that asylum. And then they fixed a special room for her and she died when she was 92 years old. There are so many things going on here. I, I just can't even begin to tell you. Then they have these drawings of people. They had a doctor and he would do these lobotomies. There is a section for this, the lobotomies. They actually stuck an ice pick in the frontal bone of your eye. Then they'd pound the ice pick in. There's also a morgue on the property. The property itself is 26 acres. So Rosalie, bless her heart, she has had many things happen to her as well, including seeing an apparition of a girl skipping the halls of the ever-so-spooky hotel in Estes Park, the Stanley Hotel. Next up, my friend Mark. While staying over at a girlfriend's house, I was sleeping very well when suddenly I was awakened. The clock display read 4 a.m., at which time my girlfriend was startled and awakened, asking very seriously if I was okay. And I said that I was, and seemingly immediately she fell back asleep. I also fell asleep, though it was for a short period of time. The next morning, I was working at my job when my mother called to inform me that my grandmother was found that morning. She passed away at an unknown time the night before. And I have heard this happen to other friends as well, that somebody very close to them dies. And before they're told the news about the passing, 
that just weird things start to happen, whether they're hearing a voice or electrical shortage or some other sort of thing or awakening in the middle of the night and just, okay, what's happening? So very, very interesting stuff for sure. I really would like to think that that was Mark's grandma coming to see her sweet, dear grandson and letting him know that she is okay and at peace. May Mark's grandma rest in peace. Next tale comes from my Aunt MJ. So last weekend, there was an annual festival called Territory Days that takes place in old Colorado City near Manitou Springs. And I asked your sister Casey if she wanted to go with me this year, and she said yes. So we're just driving on Interstate 25 from Pueblo heading towards Manitou, and we were just talking about my mother, your grandmother, who had recently passed, and we're having all these great memories, and then we listen to some music, and we're just both kind of quiet. And then I looked through the corner of my eye at Casey, and she had turned into grandma. For about half a second, grandma was there. I I just saw her through my peripheral vision, but I know what I saw. She was here. I excitedly told your sister, oh my god, grandma was right there. It was so cool. This was the last day of May, I think. And what a super cool experience for my aunt to see her mother and our grandmother, someone we miss very terribly and deeply, And that must have been phenomenal. My grandma, she continues to visit my aunt. Uh, Before she passed away, she actually told her that she would come and visit her. And when she sees triple numbers, she knows that my grandma's there. So there's so many times where she'll look at the clock and it's like 11-11 or 2-22 or, you know, you get the drift. Or sometimes, you know, if a car drives by and they have all the same numbers in row or letters, it's, you know, it makes her feel good. It makes her go, okay, that's grandma. Hi, grandma. I miss you. I love you. You're here. I know. Thank you. And as I mentioned in the phantom smell episode, I get her too sometimes where I smell the phantom smell of her baking cookies. So she's a very active spirit, Grandma Mary is. Now I am going to share two stories told by my Aunt Rhonda. Now the first story is more like a history, if you will, of her older home. And boy, is it ever embedded with bloody history. The history of the house, after the first incident that we heard with the loud knocking at the door, after we moved in and we got settled, I decided to go to the library and do some research on this house. I found out at the time that it was 102 years old. It used to be a grocery store for a long time. It was a mini-mart, and I guess the way back in the 1950s and 1960s when the mafia was here in Pueblo, and they were really, really bad. I mean, they ran the town. There was a big hit on several people at that grocery store. Back then, when there was a hit, not only that person would die. Sadly, several people died. The mafia went in there with machine guns and just tearing up people left and right. They left immediately afterwards, leaving nothing but dead bodies all over the place. 
They ended up killing everyone in that damn store. So I did read that, but besides that, nothing else really stuck out to me. And at one time, it was a fish store. It was a rock store. They sold rocks there. That was the big thing, though. That massacre that happened in that house. The mafia mob slaughter. And if I remember correctly, 87 people died in that massacre. Men, women, children. My kids, they felt a little girl spirit and they actually named her. And I think my daughter actually had a personal experience with this girl in her bedroom, but I can't remember what the specific details are now. Now that is creepy. Considering how many people died there, it's no shocker that that home is haunted now. I mean, I would be shocked if it weren't haunted with all that bloody history. The other story I want to mention of hers is this. Quote, there was a period of time when I'd be in the house by myself and there were some really bad things going on in my life. Some real negative things that didn't start until I moved into the house. That house, it was pure evil. There were several times when I would be in the bathroom and if you shut the door in the main bathroom, which was right off the living room, there was a, well, it, all, it almost seemed like the door was too big. It didn't quite fit the door frame. There was a ton of room between the floor and the bottom of the door, just a huge, large gap. And every time I shut the door and used the bathroom, I could see shadows going back and forth in front of the door. People walking. I would always hear so much commotion. And that's what I hated the most because it happened all the time. Whether I was in the big bathroom or the little bathroom, it didn't matter. If I was in the bathroom and the door was shut, it messed with me outside the door. You could just hear the shuffling around. And if I was in the bedroom, I could hear the drawers. You could constantly hear the door that would go out to the end of the house. The storage room that went outside, that first door going to the storage room had a rubber flap on the bottom of the door that would slide across the linoleum. You can hear the rubber sliding whenever somebody would open it. And there was no stopping it, no sneaking in. So anytime I was in my bedroom, I would always hear that door opening and closing, opening and closing. I will keep my door open and I can hear it at the end of the hall, just opening and closing. Open, shut, open, shut. That was really constant. It was to the point where I didn't leave the doors open anymore. There's one specific time that they had messed with me so badly that I went running out of the bathroom, got two butcher knives, and when Greg came home, he found me sitting on the couch, shaking violently, shaking from fear. You know something is out there, but every time you open the door, it stops. It was so frustrating. Now she's experienced and encountered a ton of spooky things in that house. Thank God she no longer lives in that slaughterhouse any longer. Next up is a story from my friend JC. Near the cemetery on Northern Avenue, across from the grocery store, is an apartment complex that was 
once an orphanage and had a church attached to it. And I believe it to be very, very haunted. We have a haunted house production there. And during a run through, someone or something threw my cousin right off from the upper balcony and down to the floor below. Scared the hell out of us workers and the customers. Now, luckily, he fell on his back, spread eagled onto the rigging that we were using to create walls, and he was not injured. He was just really shaken up. He was up there to drop a dummy to scare the customers, and he himself became the dummy. We were grown men, mind you. We were in our mid-twenties. JC has experienced a lot when it comes to the paranormal and supernatural, much like a lot of people that you heard of today in this episode. And he has shared many stories with me in the past. And it is actually because of this man that I had the honor of having a radio talk show worldwide for two years. Awesome dude. Really great guy for sure. And the final story that I want to share with you today comes from my friend, John. In December 2008, I had my first and only, so far, ghost-busting experience. My girlfriend at the time, J.S., she worked in administration at one of Denver's hospitals. A co-worker of hers had related how much trouble they were having selling his relative's house, and it had been on the market for a couple of years, and there have been no interested parties. He thought it might be because the house was haunted. It was rumored that the deceased owner was a very mean, old, grumpy woman. J.S., long interested in the paranormal, she offered to help. She recruited me to be a witness and a technician with the audio recording and photo equipment. And upon entering the house, there was an immediate feeling of dread, like the air was thick with negative energy. I felt stifled. J.S. and the other people with us confirmed that they too felt the same energy, and we began to explore the house, moving from room to room, and J.S. has the audio recorder and me making photographic images. At one point, she said she felt the presence of a small child and bent over as if she was placing her hand on the child's head. And I made an image of her doing that, and then another immediately after she had stood back up. And when we looked at the images on the computer later on, there was an unmistakable orb in the second photo, almost exactly the height where she had placed her hand to touch the energy she felt moments ago. And after touring the yard outside, we re-entered the house. We lit a traditional Native American smudge stick. And again, we went room to room, directing smoke to every corner and crevice that we could reach with the intention of ridding the house of all dark energy. Afterwards, we all felt a sense of relief upon leaving the house. And J.S. was later told that the house sold within a few weeks of our ghost-busting adventure. That must have been a major relief to J.S.'s friend slash co-worker. Here you're trying to sell this house and it's years and not a single bite? That is weird. And how much that must have been a relief that the negative spirits and energy had left the house for good. And I hope the people living there now 
are experiencing nothing but positivity. Good job, John and JS. Well, everybody, I hope you enjoyed all the stories that were told today. Every single one of them was experienced by somebody and based on true events. And speaking of stories, I must remind you, I am looking for Halloween tales, so please feel free to reach out to me regarding that. This week's special city shoutouts go to Cavenago di Brianza, Italy, Clearfield, Utah, Mapleton, Georgia, Caprilli, Wales, and Valley Stream, New York. Thanks, everybody. As always, you guys are rock stars. Thank you so much for making Paranormal Prowlers podcast part of your day, night, whenever you listen, and wherever you're listening from. It is absolutely appreciated. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Listen to the others. They are all phenomenal. Haven't heard every single one yet? It's no laughing matter. That means you are severely slacking in the Paranormal Podcast Department. Do not fret, though. All you have to do is hit up any of those spooktacular podcast platforms, such as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Downcast, Player FM, Podcast Republic. Basically, wherever you may roam to hear your other spooky podcasts, you'll probably find Paranormal Brothers podcast lurking in the background. Thanks, everybody, and we will... See you next week.